Good morning, Grace Place Church, both online and on campus. We're so glad that you are able to join us today and be a part of what God has in store. This has been great kickoff for Thanksgiving. I have been rejoicing all week long in what God has accomplished, uh, what He has done, the miracles that we talked about this last week. And I, I was holding baby Emmy, which is a miracle this morning uh, that God has performed. Grady, uh, the miracle we celebrated last week. And we are just so grateful. Every time we come together, God is doing something. He's doing something in your living rooms at home when you're watching or wherever you might be. He's doing something here on the campus in our hearts and lives as we open up to it. Today, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about. We're kind of taking this Thanksgiving thing backwards a little bit. So normally what I preached last week would have been, you know, message number three. And we would have started with kind of talking about the basics and building and that kind of thing. But what I wanted to do was whet your appetite for what can be as we get uh, some of these things in our foundation. You know, we, we ended by saying last week that what happened with the woman who came and took the priceless ointment and poured out at the feet of Jesus, we never get there if we don't have the basics of Christianity in place and we walk through the basics of Christianity in terms of our giving, in terms of our serving, in terms of our faithfulness to come together, to pray together, to read God's Word and study. These things must be in our practice and in our foundation. You don't just one day wake up and, and take a lottery and bring it to you know, a need and pour it out, right? I mean, you know, I hit the lottery, you know, and uh, now I'm going to be a giving person, right? Uh, I remember the story of J.C. Penney, and uh, it was a remarkable story. You know, he started tithing when he was very young, and he's, his statement to people about giving and tithing and stuff was he said, if I had never tithed on my first $100, I would have never tithed on my first $1 million. And uh, he kept increasing his tithe to the point where um, every year as he became successful as a businessman, he added another 10%. So he ended his life tithing 90% of his income to various ministries and charities and keeping 10% for his own uh, self. So this is an understanding that we come to after we are foundationally right, after we built our foundation. It's not something we wake up one day and we're generous givers, right? Uh, we, this is built into us. God has put in your DNA to be generous, to be loving, and to be kind. But it's difficult because we also are battling against our own sinful nature, which says self-preservation, right? <laughs> Protect you. You never know what's down the road. You know, you might want to uh, make sure. Don't give that coat away, a second coat in your closet. Do you remember that year that your other coat tore and you, only, you, know, you didn't have another coat in your closet? So you might need that one. And so we're always battling that, aren't we? Uh, but today we're going to talk about how we can build up. I, I think a lot of times we don't talk about the how-tos at church, so I hope that you'll leave here knowing how to build up your faith. We've sang about build your, letting God build the church and building up, so we should be all motivated, right? If you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11. Uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it's on page 989. I'm just kidding. It's somewhere different for you, I'm sure, in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 4. give you just a second to get there. Uh, I'm excited about the telethon that's coming up, too. They are always so much fun. 
to the, they do a great job, Vanessa and Amanda, in leading them. So they're fun, it's fun to be here. But it's exciting to see what God is doing. And I know these ministries personally. I would love to take you and introduce you to some of these people. I grew up with uh, Bill Woods and I. We grew up together. I know his heart for God. Um, and uh, I know some amazing things about what they have been able to accomplish. And God is, you know, just last year laid on their heart to open the church on their ranch. Their, their primary mission there was, was taking children who had uh, been cast out by their parents, abused, and the state would bring them to this ranch and they would raise them. They would teach them about God, love on them, feed them, clothe them, take care of them. And they've done that with countless hundreds and hundreds of kids over the years. In fact, some of them now come back and work at the ranch, right? They have their own kids. So they see Bill and Tammy as, as their parents, and they bring their babies back, and this is your new grandchild, and it's just an amazing story. But last year, God spoke to their heart to start a church, and um, there's a lot been going on there, as there has been all over the world. And people responded, interestingly, because of the pandemic and all the things that were going on, they became fearful not of you know, their, their life, losing their life on earth, they became fearful of their, the, what happens after this life. And so they began to flood into the church to find out about this Jesus, and the church has just really been growing. And so we want to help them get some of the resources they need to teach children, to, um, you know, to schools that they need in ministry. Same thing in Romania. Uh, we know Mihai for a long time. He's been here. How many of you saw Mihai when he came to our church and ministered? Okay, a number of you who did, okay. Uh, great, great testimony that he has, personal testimony. He usually shares that if he's just somewhere for one night. Do you remember his story of how that he was drafted into the army and they were mocking him and making fun of him for his faith in Christ? And so one of the sergeants came to him one night and says, I lost my keys out on the soccer field. And if your God is real, you can tell me where those keys are. And if not, you know, you're, you're going to pay for it. And uh, so he took him out to the soccer field. He said he was praying the whole time, you know, just a young Christian, you know, 19, 20 years old young man. And just praying, God, you know, you got to help me out somehow. And just as they got onto the soccer field, some person comes running across the soccer field and says, Hey, we found these keys. Do they belong to you? <laughs> And he was bailed out, you know, and the guy turns to him and he goes, you're lucky, you know, and he says, no, my God is real. It's amazing what God has done. We uh, have been ministering in Romania over the 1990s. We took several teams there. Uh, prior to the fall of Ceausescu, they came to uh, the church to disassemble and tear the church apart and uh, brick by brick, and uh, the communists had come to do away with it. There is no God. There is no church. We're going to use these bricks and this, this building to build another building that we want to build in the city. And uh, there was a prophecy. One of the church members uh, prophesied and said, by noon tomorrow, this church will still be standing, but the leadership of this country will have fallen. And it was at noon the next day that Ceausescu and, uh, was executed in the streets of the, the city and his wife as well. And uh, we came in right after all of this was going on, the fall of the Iron Curtain, and the people, um, I tell you, it's, it's, uh, it's humbling. 
You know, we, what we enjoy here in terms of what God has provided for us uh, to come and worship, you know, we would run into people across that town who were literally walking five miles to go to church, you know, every morning and walking home. And, and we're just like, I just can't even get my mind around it. I don't know if my people would come to church if they had to walk five miles. You know? <laughs> no air conditioning and no fine seating, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And God has done so much and uh, laid on his heart to start the church in the, in the city, in the heart of the city. And God has been doing some great things at Emmanuel Church. I love to tune in. I don't always understand. I pick up, uh, I've been there so many times, I pick up a word here and there in Romania that I understand. I certainly know a lot of the uh, words that have to do with worship, you know, uh, when, they're, when they're talking about uh, worshiping God and stuff like that. Those are familiar. But I, I just love to hear the people sing, you know. And you recognize after a while, you know, the, the, the song that they're singing, but the words are different, right? It's in their language. And, and it's just, uh, it's great to see God moving across young people and children. And uh, so many great things are happening there. And then, of course, with Kristen, we've had opportunity um, personally to, to get to know her and the ministry there. And you as a church have gone out on the streets and, and seen what God is doing and how he's ministering to people and how he's telling them how much he loves them and cares about them, right? Amen. So a lot of talking by me. Let's get into the reading. Can you stand for the reading of God's word? Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11. <clears throat> now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostle the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come uh, to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other's parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, asking that you would minister in these next few moments. As we delve into your word and we see how that we can grow, mature, and become all that you want us to be, that we might become well fit together as a body, complementing one another, accomplishing the work that you want us to accomplish. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. Every builder understands that the house is only as strong as its foundation. It is important that we build on a strong foundation if we intend to stand, and it means a strong foundation for us spiritually. Biblically, uh, you know, uh, as we learn to, to pray, as we get a good prayer life going on, 
We, we are surrounded by good biblical leadership. We have, uh, you know, our, our biblical faith uh, is put into action. There's, there's footings uh, during this time, you know, spiritual dangers are abounding around us. And what is not being shaken in our world, and what is not being compromised, what can't be lost when you uh, graduate from high school and go to college is a sure foundation. If you have a sure foundation, a lot of things will shake it. doesn't mean you won't ask more questions and wonder and maybe even have some doubts. But if your foundation is really secured and you have built a strong foundation spiritually, you're going to withstand all of the shaking that takes place. I read a story that uh, I've been reading A.W. Tozer's book again, uh, the, the Radical Cross. And uh, I read a story recently uh, in that book that he had talked about a woman attempting to improve her spiritual life. And uh, what she had done was impose rigid austerities upon herself in an effort to feel the sufferings of Christ that he had felt on the cross. Uh, but in the end, things weren't going very well, so she came to her pastor and told him all of the disciplines and all of the sacrifices that she had made, and yet it didn't seem to be making any effect for her. The wise pastor reminded her that the Lord had said to her, uh, if anyone, uh, the Lord had not said this, he didn't say, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up my cross daily and follow me. He reminded her that the Lord had in fact said, he must take up his cross daily. There's a difference, isn't there, of just one small pronoun <laughs> But that difference is a vast and important difference. Your cross, thankfully and mercifully, is not his cross, right? He did it once and for all. He paid the price. He's the one that made the ultimate sacrifice. And so he didn't call you to take up his cross. He called you to take up your cross. And there's a huge difference. And that's how we begin in our soul journey and in terms of our building of our foundation and, and, and getting, begin to move forward in Christ and, and advance and grow is the acceptance of our cross, taking it up and beginning to move forward in obedience to God. It opens by saying, now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. He says this will continue until we all come into the unity of our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So what I want to point out first is, God says He's provided some gifts for your spiritual growth and my spiritual growth. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I primarily want to point out these gifts because there are two things that we need to realize or understand or consider when we're thinking about spiritual growth. The first thing is that God has provided gifts. He's provided gifts for our growth and our development. And that's important. But the second thing that we need to understand about spiritual growth and building and growing is, is our personal responsibility in the mix. You know, it's, it's one thing, isn't it, to be given gifts that you need to grow in your faith, but it's quite another to activate those gifts in your life for personal development. It's one thing to, 
to understand that there are gifts available, but it's another thing to take advantage of those gifts and grow and mature and, and be built up in the faith as a result of hanging out uh, at where you can be transformed, right? In the transformational community and letting God do that work. Those become two very different things, right? So it's important, you know, when you go and, and you start your education in the world, you know, that you not only just show up and you're sitting at a desk in a classroom, but that you pay attention to what the teacher is saying, that they're sharing with you, that you take notes, that you learn and you grow in that environment, right? So God has set the environment. He's given the gifts. These gifts from God are available so that the Bible says here that you can be equipped to do his work and build up the body of Christ. Equipped to do his work and build up the body of Christ. And here's, here's the desired outcome that, that is said in the, in the passage there, that we become unified. Unity in faith and knowledge of God's Son and that we mature in the Lord. That we unify around the mission and the things that God has called us to do and we, we mature and grow together. God has always been interested in us growing in community. It says early in, in Scripture in the Old Testament that God takes the solitary and He sets them in family. He recognizes to get some of the rough edges off, you got to get all those rocks rolling around right together and bumping up against each other. And you know, sometimes we, we don't really understand that the negative things that happen in the environment of us uh, hanging out together in a community of faith are also for our growth and for our development, right? The first person that came up and, and said something that wasn't very Christ-like to me in, in a Christian community was, uh, you know, was used by God to bump something off me that needed to be bumped off me, right? To bring a sense of humility to me, to bring a sense of understanding to me that not everybody's perfect, right? And there is only one perfect one. And it, and, and it was a part of helping me to learn how to forgive and how to love. You know, I know people throughout the years of ministry, uh, Michelle and I have, have had uh, people that get wounded and they, they take off. They, they get their feelings hurt and they're gone, you know. And, and the sad thing for them is that they're going to keep getting their feelings hurt, right? Because God is intentionally doing it. <laughs> He's trying to get them to a place of being forgiving and loving and understanding, Right? And, and also, we have this unrealistic view, like somebody is a, a Christian, they've been a Christian for a long time, they're never supposed to do, put anything in the blank, right? They're never supposed to say, put anything in the blank, right? And uh, so, we have, uh, in a way, kind of in our minds, perfected, especially pastors and leaders and stuff like that, they would never, you know, ever, oh my God, they did. And then we are wounded, right? We are hurt. And uh, we, we don't realize that that's a part of the work that God is doing in our hearts. I remember we first came here uh, to the city, and, and we had uh, tried a church, and uh, something had happened, and the, there was uh, a, a sense of wound and hurt over a congregation that we were here. We found out later, years later, some things that had happened in that particular church, not this church. And uh, so it, it brought a little bit of understanding to us. But walking into that community, you could feel it, you know? But it's, when I drive by now and I see the great things that God is doing there, I recognize how he worked through that, 
how he worked through some people who stayed and hung on and loved God and persevered. And I mean, there were some serious issues, right, that were going on. But God's course corrected it, and now they are a beacon in our city. They're doing a great work. It's awesome to see what God can do, how he can bring us into unity when we, when we allow it. We are all called to, to unify around our faith, our knowledge of God's Son. And the ultimate objective, it says in this passage, is that we would measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's the point, right? Not the standard of your favorite spiritual leader. No, they will fall willfully short. Not the standard of your praying grandmother. Not the standard of you know uh, your your great grandfather who was a minister somewhere. Not the standard of the standard is the standard of Christ, which causes us to walk in this incredible humility, right? Because we are not Jesus, right? <laughs> and we we read about him and we see him and we experience him and you know these interactions in our in our worship time. And it's it should be humbling to us in our walk. I'm aspiring. I know you're going to finish the work in eternity and I'm so grateful for that. But I'm still not there yet. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for your love. You might rise to the standard of your praying grandmother or someone else, but that's not the standard. The standard is in Christ. So as we, as we understand that, as we begin to, to uh, our journey, we understand that it is a cross that we're taking up is ours. It's not anyone else's. It's not Jesus' cross, but it's ours. What that means to us as, as uh, committed followers of Jesus Christ, growing in Him daily, and, and why is it that, that, that we should be doing that? You know, we, we should be aspiring to grow. It says in the passage, Then we will no longer be immature children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. We will no longer be like immature children. You know, what makes children immature? Well, they, they, they have little life experience and education, so they're always at risk, right? I mean, from the time they're real little, when they start walking and they can reach up and reach the stove and it's hot, you know, they're, just, they're always at risk because they just don't have enough life education and information, right? And we're there to kind of guide them and steer them and yell at them and, you know, redirect their, their paths and their steps and educate them along the way because they're always, they're constantly at risk and, and, and they're at risk because they don't fully understand the world in which they, they live. And so Paul elaborates on this and he says, here's what happens when you're at risk. You can be tossed, you can be tossed and thrown about by every wind of teaching, it says, another passage reads, that every wind of doctrine, so whatever blows through, you're susceptible to. And one of the, one of the things that, um, you know, Michelle and I started out in children's ministry. Um, we've always loved children. Uh, I, what really drew me to Michelle, really, in the first place, was her, her, her love for kids. You know, it was just, it was incredible. Like, we would, oh, her and I, when we were dating, we would get invited sometimes to church family members' houses for dinner or something, you know. And she would like be gone, and I would be talking to the adults at the table, and she's out there playing with the kids, you know, like she's 
built a little house for them. The dolls are all dressed up and, and sitting together and all this kind of stuff is going on. I'm like, well, you, you know, you just abandoned me. I'm sitting here talking to these people and you're out here playing with the kids. But I love that about her. I love that she, was, she, she loved these kids and she had a passion for them. Uh, but what we discovered early on in children's ministry and what every parent would discover too is that a child will believe anything. You know, you don't even need proof, right? Like, look at this Bible. Oh, look over there. I made the Bible disappear. Oh, it's magic. <laughs> they haven't learned to mistrust yet, right? So they believe anything that we tell them. Um, I, uh, I was training some, we had a large children's ministry, it was over 100, and I was training some new uh, leaders in our children's ministry. And so um, I told them, you know, the kids were a little antsy. The, the room wasn't real big at this time, and, and so they were just a whisper, you know, with 100 kids, and, and it's like you, it sounded like, you know, somebody was yelling. It was just chaos in the room and it wasn't they weren't really being horrible it was just they were mumbling asking questions and you know things were going on so it was just a little bit of chaos and i said watch i'll, I'll show you how to to get control of the situation and so i looked over there was a little piece of red thread and i picked the thread up you know and um, michelle finished what she was doing and she stepped aside and i walked up to the front and i said wait a minute i have something so profound, it's going to change your life. All these kids sat up and they looked around. It's a red piece of thread. They were looking. This thread can be yours if for the next five minutes you'll set up straight. They all set up straight. And keep your hands to yourself. Now put their hands in their lap. And listen to this story. The room was just riveted you know they were all like intensely watching and listening and so we were able to teach but the lesson is the children you know they they don't have enough teaching training life experience education they will believe they're they're honestly they will believe whatever we tell them right and so paul says i don't want you to be that way i want you to have a foundation spiritually speaking i want you to be that way in terms of your worship with god that you're open to what god wants to accomplish but spiritually speaking, I want you to have a strong foundation so that when the winds of life and the false doctrines come in, you're able to speak to those with authority. You have an understanding. He, doesn't, he says, I don't want you to be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. You know, we see so much of that in our, in our world today that, you know, they, it just it constantly gets repeated over and over and over again. You know it's a lie, but after a while you start wondering, is it really a lie? Because it's, it's being told over and over and over and over and over again. And there, when you look at the support of it, you know, if you really do your research and you look at the support of it, there's nothing. It's all hanging in thin air, but yet it's taught as if it is truth. And we've always faced that. That's always what's going on because the father of lies is perpetuating lies constantly, building on them, calling you to believe them. And Paul says, I don't want you to be set up to misbelieve. And so he says, that's part of this work of sending leadership and pastors and teachers and stuff like that. It's because here's what they're going to do. Instead, they're going to do it and then they're going to teach you to do it as well. Speak the truth in 
love. Growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Speak the love in truth. In nearly 40 years of ministry and full-time ministry, I have never to this point had anyone come up to me and say, Pastor, I am mad at the Bible. Because it says these things and I don't agree with them and I don't like them. Rather, what I hear people say or what I have heard them say is I'm mad at you because you told me some things out of the book that don't align with the way I want to live or the things, uh, they, they, don't, they don't match what I like to hear. And often they're angry and it causes them to leave the church as a result of hearing something said from the book in authority that they didn't want to hear. The conviction of the Holy Spirit impressing on their lives. There's, been, there's even been times when I have ministered that, you know, what I am talking about, the main point that I'm talking about, is not even the thing that they got offended over. It, it was as I was talking through the passage, something in that passage convicted them that wasn't the center part of the message, but it convicted them and, and they're mad at me, right? They're mad at me for what God revealed through his word to them to change. If you ever get tempted to get angry at me because I proclaim God's word and you disagreed with something, he said, just remember, will you please, that I am one of God's gifts to you. All right? You know, some of you are saying, you know, it's still early. How can I re-gift this gift that God gave? <laughs> just want to remind you that I'm one of the gifts that God has provided for your life. Christ, it says, who is the head of the body, the church. He is the one that is directing and leading and guiding and that we need to all be submissive to. He's the one that carried the cross, his cross. It's just up to us to carry ours. The reason that I love the church so much is because I love the head of the church. And he makes the whole body, it says, fit together perfectly. It is the head that makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And, and though, uh, you know, as, as we had this, I was talking a moment ago about the service that we had last week and, and how I was just rejoicing over all of that. And at the same time that I'm rejoicing over the miraculous that God had done in previous weeks, he's doing something that morning in his hearts and lives that I hear about later. And it's, it's incredible that God is at work and even while we're rejoicing, God's doing something brand new. And it's just, it's just awesome. Every time that we gather, God is, is, is uh, you know, we gather in His name, we gather to worship Him. He's, he is glorified. And the body is, comes together perfectly and does the work that God calls Him to do. As each part does its own special work, it helps other parts grow, it says. The New King James Version reads, Every part does its share, causes growth of the body. Now when we when we grow, it creates opportunity for other members to grow. Your growth, your development, your new discovery of something foundationally that God has called you to do helps someone else. You know, when when I first became obedient 
to, to giving, or I first became obedient to regular study of the Word of God, or I first became obedient to prayer. It, it touched other people that I had influence over that were in my life, other people that were watching my life, other people that were impressed by what God was doing through me. Suddenly, you know, it inspired them to be obedient to God in areas in their life. So we are not only growing ourselves, but our personal growth and development is inspiring and sparking others to grow as well, right? And you know that because you know like if you, you know, you're on a program, you start losing weight, all of a sudden everybody wants to know what you're doing, you know, they're so excited for you or you're, you know, you're exercising and they start building big muscles like me, you know, and, uh, <laughs> And everybody wants to know, what are you doing? You know, how are you growing and how are you getting healthy and stuff like that? And so the same thing happens as we grow spiritually, as we begin to grow. By taking up your cross, you're encouraging others to take up theirs. So I want to finish out by saying this. A.W. Tozer told the, the story uh, of going duck hunting, right? And uh, he sees this, what he thinks is a duck. He shoots it and uh, they get it home and they start uh, preparing it, you know, and to his great chagrin, he discovers that it's mostly just feathers. <laughs> and by the time they get to the meat of this thing, it's hardly bigger than a robin, you know? And uh, he's so disappointed, you know, like, what happened here? You know, who starved this duck to death? It looked pretty good, you know, uh, all the feathers and everything. And, uh, you know, then he began to think that this is how some Christians are. They're all feathers and no meat. How do I build a better me? Here's the good and bad news. When you take up your cross, that's a cross of death. That's a cross of death for each one of us, just as it was Jesus taking up his cross. We're not the propitiation for all everybody's sins. We're not, you know, all the other things that Jesus was and did and accomplished. But it is, the, there, why would we even have a cross in the first place when we start in Christianity? Because it is the place of the death of our carnal man. He has to die. John said, he's got to go so that Jesus can increase in me. This man that I am must decrease to the point of disappearing because the standard is Christ. And I want to be like him. I want people to see him in me. When they look at me, I want them to see a reflection of the Christ that's in me. It's the only gospel that many people will hear. So the, there's good and bad news in the how-to part. The first is we got to die. The second is Christ is going to live through us. That's the good news. We pick up our cross. Christ lives through us. I, you know... I wasn't a fan initially of Bill Belichick, a coach. You know, I just wasn't a great fan of the team he was leading and, and his style and stuff. But I came to appreciate him as a coach. Now, this guy has accomplished some amazing things. He, he, he took his team to nine Super Bowls, and he won six of them. That's absolutely incredible. There, there are great coaches that have never been to one Super Bowl. He's been to nine, and his teams have won six of them. And what I came to really appreciate about him, too, was his uh, motto for success with his team. And what he did is he took all the pressure off them and simplified things. 
you know, really uh, just, just made, made it very easy for his team. And what he said to each individual team member is he said, just do your job. Just do your job. And I, I played football, so that means so much. I, I understand what he's talking about there. Every snap on the football field, on the NFL football field, creates incredible chaos. As soon as the ball is snapped, guys running in every which direction, assignments all over the field, things are taking place, adjustments by the defense and all this kind of stuff. And what can happen in, in, in chaos is that you can take on somebody else's job. Maybe a guy's on the offensive line, he's blocking, he goes, oh, this guy's going to beat my team member and I need to help him, right? That's being a good team member. But when you helped him, you opened up a lane for a middle linebacker to run through and kill the quarterback, right? There are all kinds of these decisions that are being made by these, these great athletes all the time. And Bill Belichick said, I just want you to do your job. You just do your job. And it took all the pressure off because the guy that was getting beat on the blocks, you know, by a, a great, uh, you know, NFL player on the other side, he learned how to be influence blocker rather than just, you know, an overcoming blocker. An influence blocker says, which way does this guy want to go? I'm going to take him that way, <laughs> you know, instead of trying to fight him with his might and his power and push him in a direction that he didn't want to go. Because I, that's my assignment, is to find out what the guy in front of me is going to try to do to beat me and to, to take care of that. And so that made successful athletes out of many people that he coached that others would have dismissed from the team over time or they would have had a very short career. He made some great players out of guys by just teaching them to do your job, yeah. right? Just do your job. And I, and I really believe that in many respects, that's what God is saying to us as members of his body. Just do your job. If you're the finger right now, just do your job. If you're the hand, just do your job. If you're the arm, just do your job, right? I'm the head. You just do your, don't worry about what somebody else is doing, what, what someone else is caught up in, what other things might be taking place. Uh, you know, just do your job, right? We're all going to grow together. God's going to fit us together beautifully, but do your job. Gather together. Invite our worship team to come back. Grow. We made a commitment this year that our theme was rooted, that we were going to get rooted, we were going to get our roots down deeper in Christ. Whatever you know about uh, faith and about your walk in Christ, you're going to deepen that this year. You're going to deepen your commitment level. You know, if I came last year, there are 52, you know, Sundays in a year. If last year I was only able for various reasons to come to 20 services this year, I'm coming to 50, you know, whatever it is. I'm going to deepen the roots. I'm going to gather with God's family, and I'm going to grow. And then, as soon as that takes place, God's going to cut me loose to go, to be His voice, His hands, His feet, to touch others, to minister, to make a difference. That foundation has to be strong, because when I go... There are going to be things that shake me. There are going to be things that challenge me. There's going to be things that come against me. 
but greater is he that is in me (laughs) than he that is in the world. Will you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we want to make a commitment today. Uh, This is a starting point for us to let you build in us your church. Let us become your church. And we we are obedient in the sense of today we're saying we will do our job. What you've called us to do in this moment, recognizing that, you know, a year from now, two years from now, you may change our assignment. But right where you have us right now, we're going to say, yes, God. And we're going to do what you've called us to do. We're going to be obedient to that. We're going to build your church. And we're going to do it, Lord, by starting out by obeying and building a strong foundation in us. I can't want for someone else what I haven't accomplished for me. So help me to partner with you to build a great foundation in me that I might obey you and follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.